This is Cornstalks and Sports Talk, your go-to Iowa-based sports show, hosted by the one and only Elliot Clough. What's up, Cedar Valley, and hello to the Hawkeye State. This is Cornstalks and Sports Talk, your Iowa-based sports show here on your podcasting platform. I just, it's, it's, a, it's a habit I can't break. My name's Elliot, uh, Elliot Clough, at Elliot Clough on Twitter. I'm a UNI insider for Town Square Media. Thanks so much for hopping on today, wherever you're listening, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, the KOEL app, KCRR app, whatever app that you have from Town Square Media. And then, of course, if you're watching on YouTube, we appreciate you tuning in. I will get uh, last uh, last. Saturday's first 15 minutes on as well. We're going to start doing that here soon. Um, also, uh, some something to, to remember here on Cornstalks and Sports Talk is to leave that rate and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play. Leave that uh, subscription, subscribe, uh, and uh, and follow us wherever we're at as well. Uh, drop a like, drop a comment on YouTube. It's it's greatly appreciated, especially with the uh, Iowa-based content we got here. Uh, we, we want to get that out to as many people as possible. So today, believe it or not, on this solo show that I'm doing, going to talk a little bit more Iowa, University of Iowa to be exact, to start the Hawkeyes. What's going on with them, their football program, and more. Of course, we'll get to a little bit of UNI too, because that is my bread and butter uh, as a UNI insider, Elliot Clough here with you on Cornstalks and Sports Talk. So I want to start with this, is that... There's been loads of talk about Iowa's offense this season, right? Like even recently on this three-game win streak, it's still bad. Like it's not good. They've they've done better. They've scored points, you know. And there's been times where Caleb Johnson and and Lashawn Williams look great, more so Caleb Johnson. But the offense has been such a focal point this season that even with a generational defense like Phil Parker has put together, that it can be overshadowed because of how just putrid the offense has been again it's been better Petrus has looked like he's gotten something figured out mentally to a degree obviously there are some issues still Sam Laporta is still I mean he deserves to be a a top three round pick in my opinion maybe even top two round pick um he's he's the next of the uh next iteration of a great Iowa tight end if if you will um and so I I really like what uh, he's doing this season again to the defense so Phil Parker is the defensive coordinator at Iowa. For those of you unaware, he's done a phenomenal job. He's the defensive back uh, whisperer, uh, if you will. And he's been nominated for the 2022 Broyles Award, which goes to the top assistant in the country. And this is where I want to go in regards to what we're talking about on this this first sort of segment is that Phil Parker is a damn genius, to say the least. He's a great coach. The consistent level, high-level defense that he puts together in Iowa City every year, which is not necessarily you know, a destination for kids to play college football unless you live in the state of Iowa, it's incredible. They're bringing in guys like Cooper DeGene, who I've talked about quite a bit as the guy who's who went to the same high school that I did, and he was phenomenal this last week. Uh, returning punts, he had that pick six. Uh, he was all over the field in terms of tackling. 
I'm just a really big fan of his. But taking a guy like that who is a three-star recruit out of Ida Grove, Iowa, Odeboat, Iowa, I guess is technically where he's from, and molding him into this, I mean, he was already an, an incredible athlete, but taking guys like that and putting them on the field and making one of the greatest defenses in the country. Here's a stat for you. Iowa's defense has scored 28 points this season, 24 points technically off, off touchdowns, but 28 points total from touchdowns with the extra points, right? Uh, two of which have come from those Cooper DeGene pick sixes. And that's the second most in the country. The second most in the country in terms of total points. But I, I, that's 28, again, technically with the touchdowns and the field goal or in, in the PATs, but the touchdowns and the safeties, it's 28 points. So they've actually put together 28 points themselves this season, which is the second most in the country. Then if you if you tack on the extra points, the 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 safeties, the touchdowns, it's 32 total points. Granted, again, special teams with BATs, but whatever. Those two those two safeties against South Dakota State, and it's it's 28 points total from from the Hawkeyes defensively. Additionally, they allow the fewest yards per play, which is 3.8 in the country, which is the lowest since Alabama in 2011. For those of you unaware of what that team had at Alabama in 2011, it was Courtney Upshaw, Ha Ha Clinton Dix, Dre Kirkpatrick, CJ Mosley, and Dante Hightower. All I got to say is Dante Hightower and CJ Mosley, and you know the interior of that defense was really good. And, and Dre Kirkpatrick might not have been what you know some people wanted him to be uh, in, in the NFL, but he was still a, a pretty solid player. And then, of course, Courtney Upshaw, kind of the same thing. Ha Ha Clinton Dix was a, a, a staple for uh, several defenses while he was in, in the NFL, the, the Packers, and and of course the bears and he was just he was really good at Alabama but those are those are some pretty pretty freaking solid statistics if you ask me it's it's indicative of how good of a coach he is and what he's done with these defenses and i mean the hawkeyes okay here we go the hawkeyes defense has held seven opponents to 10 points or less this season they still only have six wins which is pretty indicative of the offense including three with three or fewer points, which is insane. It is the first time since 1991 that the defense has held seven opponents under 10 points. That team finished 10-1-1 and played in the Holiday Bowl. Since the start of the 2017 season, the Hawkeyes defense has intercepted 101 passes, which is the most in the country. They're the only team to cross the 100 interception mark. That is bonkers bonkers and Phil Phil Parker getting some of the recognition he deserves if he doesn't win this award I I didn't look look at the list of who else is on it but if he doesn't win that award I I think um I think that the the award is irrelevant that's all I'm gonna say because if Phil Parker doesn't win it who the hell is gonna win that award now on to uh, the the impact of of this is is something I want to talk about for sure here, as well as that. It's it's really good to have Iowa's defense recognized for for what they're doing because of how awful the the offense has been, and so with what comes along with that is. The fact that somebody has to look at Phil Parker again, I don't know what he's like personality wise. I don't know what if he would even consider wanting even fathom 
being the head coach of any football team right now. But, I mean, somebody has to look at that and think, maybe we want him to lead our defense and our team. Maybe we want him to be our guy. And what you have to, I mean, you have to consider that, first of all, as Kirk Ferentz. You have to. Like, Phil Parker, one of the best defensive coordinators, if not the best defensive coordinator in the country. There are going to be other programs, other teams that are going to say, look, we'll pay you more than what I was paying you. And, I mean, there just has to be some level of awareness regarding how good he is. He is at his job, and the fact that other teams are going to see that and be like, oh, yeah, we want that guy. So, with that said... You have to, I mean, it's all the more reason to get rid of Brian Ferentz, in my opinion, because as Phil Parker is showing up every season, knowing I'm going to have a top 10 defense, one of the best defenses in the country, and the offense is going to be putrid because that freaking guy, your son, is leading the offense. Nepotism at its finest. Does that not make, I mean, that would make me think, what am I doing here? Like, I realize that I'm putting together these fantastic defenses and I'm not getting in anything in return from the offense. Get rid of that freaking guy. He's not good at his job. That has to that has to be taken into consideration. And I mean, like, I get it. Like, I was one three in a row. Heck, they might end up back in the Big Ten championship game because of how good their defense is. And if Kirk Ferentz uses that in 2023 and says, I don't know if you know this, but we won eight games last year. Well, imagine how many you could have won if your offense was freaking competent, like remotely competent. I'll tell you what, they won three games in a row and it wasn't even good. Like it was better. It was better. And to have it be that bad and people be happy about it is indicative as to how bad it was. I mean, anyway, speaking of which. Iowa is on a roll right now. They have won three in a row after getting absolutely throttled by Ohio State. Just dismantled by the Buckeyes. And so, with that said, I mean, don't look now. You know, they they beat, I mean, they beat, okay, Northwestern, right? Like, granted, Northwestern gave Ohio State kind of a hard time uh, this last game they played each other, but Northwestern and then they beat Purdue who has kind of had their number beat them last year when they were the number two team in the country Aiden or uh, is it Aiden O'Donnell McDonnell I don't remember quarterback for Purdue he's pretty good and I you know the the game plan was really get the ball to Charlie Jones and hope he makes a play and well it, it didn't really work I mean the Iowa offense was phenomenal Caleb Johnson was freaking great like that's I think that's really the game that people have been waiting to see from Caleb Johnson. Like he he really showed out and and showed what he's capable of. The offensive line looked good, and in that game specifically, not against Wisconsin, but they did beat Wisconsin too. So Purdue and Wisconsin relevant, you know. I mean, I mean they're not good, you know. They're they're not great. They're not top twenty five programs. Wisconsin isn't as as good as as they've been traditionally. But they're still Wisconsin, you know, and they really brought pressure to Spencer Petrus. Oh, my gosh. It was like every third down play, if not, you know, more than that. Every, every snap they were coming after him. Every snap. Like, I don't even know how you combat that with how bad the offensive line was. 
And that's just another reason to get rid of Brian Ferentz. You know, like do the dump off passes, run a screen, run the ball up the middle, do a do a delayed handoff. Uh, 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 yeah, a delayed handoff up the middle. You know, I mean, something, something different. And they were just coming after him. And truth be told, like a decent offense scores a lot of points on that Wisconsin defense based on what they were doing this last weekend, because you can't. It's Madden, right? You can't send engage eight every play and expect it to result in in a in, in something positive for you every time. Like on occasion, yeah, you send the blitz to to scare your opponent to to get to the quarterback when you know it's a passing down, maybe. But then you run a screen. Then you run a short crosser over the middle. Your guy goes and makes a play. And and it was better. Again, Spencer Petrus was better. Like he maybe actually found Sam Laporta a few times. And so I I think that the offense is improving and it's good enough right now for them to win these final two games against Minnesota and against Nebraska, which is not saying a lot. I mean, Minnesota's fine. Yeah, Minnesota's fine, but Nebraska's terrible. They got to they got to beat the brakes off Nebraska in my opinion, just like in general, not for any particular reason like in actual gameplay or how things shake out in the future. They just need to beat the brakes off Nebraska. Anyway, these last three games, they've won by 14 or more points, which which is really good. I just really don't want this to be the thing that Kirk Ferentz turns back to and says, this is why I'm not firing my son, you know, or my offensive coordinator because they want to be professional and you know, whatever. Whoever they the, the Hawks end up playing, though, in the in the Big Ten championship. Ah, uh, boy, <laughs> it's going to be Michigan or Ohio State, right? Like there's there's no other option and it's going to be brutal like. Even last year's team, like the defenses, again, it's going to be good. They did kind of compete with Michigan. They didn't have anything against Ohio State. It'll be at a neutral site, right, Indianapolis. But it's it's going to be ugly in the Big Ten championship game. Championship game, rather. Yeah, it's good to make it there, but ah, uh, I, I what I see, what I foresee happening is they win these next two games. They end up in the Big Ten championship game, especially if Illinois, you know, falls off. I don't know what their schedule looks like, but if the the Fighting Illini fall off, Iowa's definitely going to make it to the the Big Ten championship game, and then they're just going to get dismantled by Michigan or Ohio State. That's what what I predict. And again, if Coach Ferentz uses this five-game win streak after starting three and four and then playing five unranked teams who... You know, they might have some history like a Wisconsin, but they're not just generally good. If he uses that and brings back Brian Ferentz, like, I don't even know. I don't even know what I would say or how I would react to that because that's, oh, like, it's it's insulting the way it was handled this season, but then to do it again next season, like, just bring, bring in somebody, man. Somebody from... Bring in a D3 offensive coordinator who lit it up this season, and that's better than Brian Ferentz. I'm telling you that right now. Anyway, speaking of which, uh, the impact of of the awfulness, the terribility, the, <laughs> the how bad Brian Ferentz has been at Iowa this season. Speaking of which, Caden Proctor, five-star recruit from Southeast Polk, who had announced that he's staying home, that he's committed to playing at Iowa, Went on an official visit to Oregon this weekend. And I think it wasn't a collective, but part of the fan base was like, what the hell? 
what's going on here? And then Oregon lost to Washington, which people uh, in the Iowa fan base definitely appreciated. But um, I'm going to address it shortly just because I don't know enough about Proctor. I've never interviewed him. I've never talked to him. I don't know enough necessarily even about the Iowa program and how they're handling this this continued recruitment of Proctor and, and keeping him on until he officially signs his letter of intent to play at Iowa. There's a couple things that I see in this scenario and different ways you can you can take this this moment, right? What 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 Proctor's doing, what he's doing. And as an individual who likes to look at situations and say it's not about what happened, it's about how I respond to it, I generally tend to lean positive. Even after, you might not believe it after all the rants I've gone on about the Iowa offense and Brian Ferentz. But I do tend to lean positive, and, and we'll get to that in a moment. What the two things are, I'll talk the negative first, because you always bring the negative first. You bring the bad news before the good news. It's that just a few weeks ago, Sean Bach of Hawkeye Insider 24-7 Sports, he was on this last weekend's episode talking about Iowa basketball recruiting, if you want to go listen to that once this one's done. He said that thousands, I think if I remember correctly, Proctor had received like thousands of text messages from coaches that were still trying to recruit him and he just hadn't opened them because he was so committed to Iowa. This was a couple weeks ago, a month or two ago. So what changed? What flipped in his desire to visit Oregon now, go on an official visit to Oregon now? I mean... It happens. These guys flip these commitments, especially now more than ever. I mean, I was been the UNI has been the beneficiary of one more recently, Grant Larkin, and then in basketball, Wes Rubin. So it's not out of the question, you know. It's 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 not completely out of out of bounds to say it could happen. I mean, there's never a hundred percent guarantee until a guy signs a letter of intent, right? I mean, it's just another another reason for, for Kirk to fire Brian. They already have that issue. that They already had that Florida running back, Rayfield, decommit. The four-star running back, he decommitted. He never gave a reason why, but you have to assume it's because Brian Ferentz is terrible and their offense is terrible. You have to assume that. Like, it just added up and added up and added up, and ultimately he decommitted. So... It, it has to be factored as a possibility because of how bad the Iowa offense has been because it's Oregon, you know, one of the top programs and, and top brands in college football where Proctor could make a lot of money, but he's also said it's not about the money. So take it, take it as you will. But that's the negative of it being a possibility of look at Oregon's brand, man, and look at their offense, man, and they've tur- turned out a bunch of offensive linemen too, man. It could be cool to go there. Oregon's a different place than I've been before. So, take that as you will. The second thing is that Proctor could see this as I'm taking an official visit because I can't. You know, and, and you know that's not necessarily the greatest look for him to to take an official visit and and go to these places where they're you know paying for his food, paying for his flight, paying for his hotel. I mean, it happens, right? I, I'm this isn't an indictment of of Caden Proctor's character. I promise. He just did this at Arkansas State before he committed. 
You think he was going to go to Arkansas State? I don't. He's taken official visits at, at different schools. I mean, it's an opportunity for him to see different parts of the country that maybe he wouldn't otherwise see. Go with his family. Check it out. See the program. See the facilities. Man, this is cool. Okay, I'm going to go back to Iowa. You know? It, that's that's certainly a possibility. And also, throw on top of the fact that, you know, with these guys who I've mentioned from you and I who have decommitted from their previous schools, Wes Rubin and, and Grant Larkin. Again, Wes Rubin basketball, Grant Larkin, fo- Larkin football. It'd be quite different if Caden Proctor decommitted and chose a different school, let alone Oregon instead of Iowa. If he decommitted, if he had initially committed to Alabama, to Oregon, to Florida, and said, you know what? I want to stay home. I'm going to go to Iowa. That would be much better for him in the long term as as opposed to what the opposite would be, which would be going to or like choosing Iowa, committing to Iowa, verbally committing to Iowa, decommitting, and then going to Oregon. The 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 ramifications of those actions for guys like Grant Larkin for West Rubin, while valid, like you could be worried about that, like hate it, and I and I totally get it. Like I if I were in a situation like that, I would not want to decommit because that would just feel wrong. And and the you could still get pushback from fan bases, but to be a five star recruit, a top ten player in the country, a guy who chose to stay in his home state, and then flip it last second, ooh, that would not be good. And I think Proctor is smart enough to recognize that. And he's just been all Iowa, all Iowa, all Iowa, and then there was this flip and and decision to to visit Oregon officially. So there's a couple different ways to take it. You know, I, I lean the direction of, yeah, he's probably taking a visit to check it out, and good for him. Like, he's not, he hasn't signed a letter of intent. He's not doing anything that's, that's you know, going to affect his, his eligibility as a college football player. He's not doing anything illegal. He's not doing anything, like, objectively wrong. He's doing things that are within his realm of what he can do before he decides where he's going to go to college. And he has the right to do that. People have the right to freak out too, but he has the right to do that as a young man and as a guy with an incredible opportunity that 99% of us don't have. So, I will leave it at that. Now, let's keep talking football here. I, I have seen a ton, and like you have likely seen a ton of offers given by the UNI coaching staff uh, to JUCO football players recently. Not so much high school ones. And the way I see that coming up on my feed, granted I get notifications too, and I'm sure you see the tweets from me, but Ethan Petrick is all over that. The guy from Waterloo, uh, Cedar Falls Courier, he gets those tweets and and pumps them out right away. So uh, a lot of times the first time I see him is, is when he tweets them. But I try to get his information, as much information as possible, and, and share it. And if, if I beat him to it, I beat him to it. He still tweets stuff out. So if you want to follow along, with that really closely, Ethan does a great job of that. Again, he's been a he's been a guest here on on Cornstalks and Sports Talk. Happy to to promote what he does because he does great stuff, and we're all on the same side. Um, so, anyway, lots of JUCO offers, lots of JUCO offers, and I saw one person. I don't think anybody else particularly was worried about that or trying to come up with any theory or maybe just make sense of it, but. Lots of uh, the anyway, the the comment was something like, does he feel like he's on the hot seat? Does he feel like he has to make an impact before he leaves? 
And no, like that's that's not Coach Farley. One. Uh, number two, he's not on the hot seat. Coach Farley would have to do a lot to get on the hot seat. Like these six and six seasons in the MBFC, they're they're you know like he's still beating really good teams. They are still in the playoff hunt. Like it'd have to be a couple seasons in a row for for him to get booted, especially with the amount of time that he's spent in Cedar Falls uh, on the staff and being an alum for that matter. But the way that I think, I mean, first of all, that's just not the case. He's just he's just not going to get fired. He's not going to leave. He's not going to quit. He's not going to retire anytime soon. As far as I know, he's still kicking. He might get to be getting up there in age, but he's still kicking and he still loves what he does. Um, so with that said, there's a lot of really talented guys at the JUCO level. There's a lot of really talented guys and, and, you know, maybe it feels like there are more offers right now to these JUCO kids. One, because their season's coming to an end. A lot of these high school players have figured out where they're going to go and you and I might want to add, they have a few offers left on the table taking a shot on a few JUCO guys where they feel like they can come in and and make an impact, maybe not even right away, but guys who they think they can continue to build and mold to what they want and they can come in and, and, and play for the Panthers. But additionally, on top of the fact that that might be the case where they want to go get some of these JUCO guys after, you know, filtering what they could out of the high school class and, and seeing what they wanted. These JUCO guys also have a, have experience, but they also have an extra year of COVID eligibility so they can come in instead of having two years left three years left four years I mean they could have three years or four years left I mean Spencer Cuvalier, he's on his fourth year at UNI and he spent three years at Iowa Central so there you go and I mean I you have to consider the fact too that some of these guys at the JUCO level went there because they didn't have good enough grades to go to bigger programs and that's just a fact of college football, college basketball, track, etc. Some of these guys go to JUCO because they might not have the offers, they might not have the looks, and JUCO is the only place that gave them a scholarship offer, and they're and or they want to save some money, you know. And then they develop into a D1 player. But a lot of these guys, it's it's not the case. They're D1 material; they don't have the grades. So, uh, now a lot of these bigger programs don't really look JUCO too. A lot of the the big, big FBS programs don't look at JUCO unless you are outrageous because they want to bring in these guys who are going to have the ability to compete right away and they're going to have more time to be molded by the staff and the program at the school, like a Penn State, like an Ohio State, like Iowa. And it does happen. I mean, it just doesn't happen super frequently. It just doesn't. It just doesn't. But you have to, in the grand scheme of things, you have to look at what UNI has gotten from the JUCO level and guys that have come in and impacted what UNI wants to do. I mean, right now on this team, Spencer Cuvalier. That's an easy one who I just mentioned from Iowa Central. And then you go to Matt Morrissey from Trinity Valley Community College who once Theo's gone, he's probably going to be the starter. And then Devin Foster who made that play against Utah Tech, he put his helmet on the guys on the football and the guy fumbled it. UNI picked it up and I don't think they scored. I think that was just the end of the game. But if I remember correctly. But Foster's going to play sooner rather than later. He's he's a talented guy. He's a good guy. He went from receiver to defensive back, so he's had to learn some of those things, but he has the athleticism 
to really play multiple positions. I really like Devin Foster, and I think he's going to be good for for this football team here soon enough. Um, and I mean, even in the past, you look at Roosevelt Lawrence, who was on that 29. I think he was on the 2019 team. He was at corner, if I remember correctly, um, out there with like Xavier Williams and and those guys. And Lawrence was was pretty solid, a little undersized, but he was solid. He's from Iowa Central as well. Tim Butcher from Iowa Central, and then Colton Howell, who had some time uh, playing on the on, at the, the quarterback position in exchange with Eli Dunn as well. He was from Butler Community College. Um, so the JUCO thing that that kind of explains it, right? It, it's it's the grades, it's the fact that they have more eligibility, it's maybe the fact that you and I may have just missed out on some high school kids, or they got what they wanted out of the high school class, and now they want some guys with some more experience, and they're offering some really talented players out there. I mean, like, uh, 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 forgive me, the linebacker, he was number forty-seven um, when he was at UNI. Um, Van Wy, Riley Van Wy, his younger brother's at Iowa Central right now. He just got an offer from from Iowa State. So, well, I'm sure those offers are continuing to roll in, and and some of these guys that you and I has offered um, have uh, are, are going to continue to get offers as well. And we'll see. I mean, there are a good amount of seniors on this football team that are going to be gone. I mean, Benny Sapp's going to be gone. Corby Sanders going to be gone. Spencer Cuvalier is going to be gone. Bryce Flater is going to be gone. Dom Williams is going to be gone. Quan Hampton's going to be gone. Some of the offensive linemen are going to be gone. You got to go out and you got to try to make plays and, and, and you know, not just on the field. Go out and get some talented guys that can come in. They've been playing for two years. They've been in the weight room. They've matured a little bit more than some of these young guys who are coming out of high school. And they can compete for jobs. So why not go after them? That's my two cents. On to UNI men's basketball. Uh, they're, they're back at it. Next week, the 21st, in uh, the, the Hall of Fame classes, Classic rather, in Kansas City. Um, this is after the shooting that happened this weekend in Charlottesville. You and I was supposed to play number 18, Virginia, and um, that was canceled after the shooting. Three football players, Devin Chandler, Lavelle Davis Jr., and Deshaun Perry for Virginia were shot and killed. Um and we've talked a little bit about gun violence before here on Corn Stocks and Sports Talk, and and I I have no I have no necessary agenda necessarily I don't necessarily have an an agenda um, on that I I support the Second Amendment, um, but something's something's got to change here. And if you want to hear more on that, um, I talked about the Ames tragedy that happened this summer. And that was about the extent I want to go into that. Um, I'm not going to say the name of the shooter. He will not get a platform from me. He does not deserve it, um, nor will he ever. And I, I hope that he rots in prison for the rest of his life. Um, so that game against Virginia, or excuse me, against Richmond this last week, uh, the, the guys are going to have about 10 days off from that game. And uh, they, they did lose that one, their first D1 competition of the year. Uh, a few things that were able to be taken away from that game. Coach Jake did did a, a really good job of, of talking on, you know, the, the radio after the game. Of course, we don't get necessarily media availability. Sometimes he just wants to get the guys and get out, um, which is understandable. So I listened to the radio and, and listened to what he had to say, what JW had to say, JW Cox, who has done a phenomenal job as the play-by-play guy for, for you and I so far this season. You heard him on, on Corn Stocks uh, this summer when he got hired. Great guy, really big fan um, of, of JW. But 
some of the things that Coach Jake hit, defense is it's just right now, and defense and offense for that matter, it's just it's just gonna not be up to where we've seen it more recently with all the veterans that have been on this team. Trey Burhow, uh, Taiwan Pickford, again, Austin Fife still waiting on him to come back. Of course, A.J. Green, Noah Carter no longer around. This team lost a lot. Antoine Kimmins as well. So this team is really lacking in experience, but they're also lacking in height, especially without Austin Fife, especially with Cole Henry, who's coming off that right angle, or left? Left ankle? An ankle injury. He's coming off an ankle injury. And didn't play much against Richmond. So, and it, you know, it, it's the height for for Cole that he brings defensively that you really want from him. But the lack of height, the drop off in experience, and the lack of chemistry just for the fear the the sheer fact that they haven't played a lot of minutes together. That's just that's just what you're going to get against a good Richmond team. A good Richmond team, a, a true freshman, came in and scored 21 points. Roach, who who lit it up from deep, four three-pointers. This was just definitely one of those games where Austin Fife would help dramatically on the floor for a lot of reasons. Like I mentioned, experience. He's a guy also who can just go get you a bucket. You drop it in there when he's healthy and he can he can function and he can be on the court. He's gonna this guy that's going to get you a bucket. It's added height defensively against a team that had a seven-foot guy. I mean, and he's just such a massive piece as to what they needed this season in leadership and a big. I mean, you got you got the guard play. You got Nate. You got Bowen. You got the versatility in Titan Anderson. And then you kind of fill in those spots with some of the young guys. And then there's your key piece in Austin Fife. Austin and, and Bowen really be those two guys along with the the experience and, and the versatility of Nate and, and, and Titan. But you don't have that. You don't have Austin Fife right now. And, you know, there's a reason they went into the portal to try to get another big. That I mean, this this last summer, I don't know if you remember that, they went after that big from Dayton, unable to bring him in. He ended up at North Texas. And and granted, you know, it, it didn't happen. And, and as far as I know, they didn't go after another big. They just saw this guy with three years of experience, a big dude, or sorry, three years of eligibility left, played at Dayton a little bit, not a lot, but but was at Dayton and had some time left to play and could have very well stepped into a role of Austin Fife, but ended up somewhere else. And they didn't go after another big, as far as I know. They only went after one guard, that D2 kid who ended up at Elon? Colgate. He ended up at Colgate. And so, transfer portal isn't really Coach Jake's thing. He'll do it. He'll use it. But it's not the it's not a cornerstone of the program, you know? And so, having that transfer portal guy would have been great. But right now, what this team needs is an Austin Fife. They need that guy who's been around for, I think he's been around for seven years. Seven years. <laughs> six years? Six years. Six. Six years. Anyway, been around for a long time. And he's a guy that, again, it's the experience, it's the height, it's the ability to go get you a bucket when the offense isn't going. He's just so, so great to have for this team. And to have him back, hopefully around Christmas time, will be, will be drastic. Anyway, drastically important. <laughs> anyway, you know, these these 10, 10 days for these guys should be really good. 10 days for this basketball team should be very beneficial. It's 10 days to get Cole Henry healthy. It's 10 days to get some really good coaching in. 10 days to learn more for the young guys. And 10 days to make mistakes in practice when they don't necessarily matter on the court. 
It's an opportunity to learn, opportunity to grow, opportunity to get better. So once again, folks, my name is Elliot Clough, at Elliot Clough on Twitter. I'm a UNI insider for Town Square Media. This was another episode of Cornstalks and Sports Talk. Before you go, please, please subscribe, leave a rate and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play. Uh, like and drop, like a drop a comment on YouTube. Words are hard sometimes. Um, and again, we had a, that spike in in rates and reviews and subscriptions and and follows on on Spotify and and uh, and Apple Podcasts, and our downloads went up drastically. So if you would do that. Gosh, it helps us out. Make sure you don't miss an episode as well to really uh, stay in the know here in in Iowa on Iowa Sports because this is your Iowa-based sports show. Once again, folks, my name is Elliot Clough at Elliot Clough on Twitter. I'm a UNI insider for Town Square Media, and this was another episode of Corn Stocks and Sports Talk.